As you might have guessed from our weekly uh, verse, we're in Matthew chapter 27 today, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 27. We're going to start in verse 45 this morning. We have been talking about Jesus and the cross, and we've been talking about it that from Romans, from the book of Romans, what, that, what the cross does for us. We've been talking about, um, I, I hate to say it this way, but the benefits of the cross. Uh, and, and by that I mean how we benefit from the cross. Justification, being declared righteous. These things that we see in Romans. Today we're actually going to see Jesus on the cross. His last words, as a matter of fact, on the cross. We put a lot of, kind of a lot of stock in the last words of somebody, don't we? Just before they pass, if they say something, we, it's sort of memorable. and it's, Unfortunately, we can put too much into it. We can actually start thinking that these last words sum up a person's life. And I'm here to tell you, these last words of Jesus don't sum up his life. They don't. They do, however, sum up the day he has just had. Because this is... The, what we call the passion of Christ. This is the day that, that Jesus is beaten and whipped. This is the day that he is crucified. This is the day he dies. His earthly ministry stops here. And so they are important, and they sum up the day he has had. They sum up the passion uh, narrative. But... They don't sum up his life. And they're frankly not the most important words he says. But they're important to us and, and important for us to understand. So let's read this. Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 45 and going to 50. Now, before I do that, we will be doing this as we have been all year. I'm hoping now that these study tips are beginning to be ingrained in you, that we first look at context. And then we ask ourselves the so what's. So what does this say about God? So what does this say about me? And so what do I need to do now that I know this about God and myself? And then we'll look at it phrase by phrase. And then we will look at the, at, 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 uh, at the challenge and the comfort that the verse gives. I believe every passage of Scripture has both a, a comfort and a challenge in it. And so we'll look at those. So we'll study this the way we have been all year. So again, uh, Matthew 27, starting in verse 45, it is up here behind me. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When some of, the, of those standing there heard this, they said, he is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. But Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. So let's, let's, uh, let's look first at the context. The context of this verse, obviously, the larger context is it's the Gospel of Matthew. Now, Matthew is considered one of the synoptic gospels, as they're called. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels, and they, they tell very much the, uh, the same stories of the life of Jesus, and, so, uh, and, and they, 
they have a lot of the same quotes in them and, and such, so they're called the synoptic gospels. The gospel of John is slightly different and, so, and, t- and has some different stories in it, has different miracles in it. And so it's, it's not one of the, the synoptics, if you want to call it, it, as they call them, I guess. Now, <clears throat> Matthew is written most likely to a Jewish uh, audience. Now, w- scholars say that because of a couple of different things. First of all, there are more Old Testament quotes in Matthew than any other book of the New Testament. He also follows a lot of Old Testament themes. He presents Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the one who has been coming since, uh, since the Isaiah said so. So he, he, is, he presents Old Testament themes and he presents Old Testament quotes to show that. He, he presents Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. He also talks a lot about Jewish uh, festivals and feasts and that kind of thing, and there's no explanation for them. You know, in the book of John, in the Gospel of John, we get a little bit of a, a, an explanation of it. In Luke, it often says it was this feast of the Jews. So you can tell it was written to a Gentile audience. Matthew doesn't make any explanations for any of the festivals. He just tells you it's, it's, that's, this festival is going. So that, again, shows us that, that Matthew's probably written to a, a, an originally to a Jewish audience. So what does this say, this passage say, about God? Now, I don't think we can read this passage without being confronted with what Jesus went through for you and I. We cannot, can't look at this and say, Jesus died on the cross for our sin. No, 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 no. No, he died an agonizing, horrific death. He was beaten, he was whipped, and he was on the cross. We even saw from the context, he was on the cross for hours. He died an agonizing death for us. Agonizing. And so, because we're confronted with that, and with the suffering of Jesus in this passage, we see the incredible love Christ has us. We see that Jesus, think about what Jesus went through here. If you've seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, it's brutally honest. The, the beating, uh, the, the whipping that most of us would never have survived, he did. And then I want you to think about Jesus on the cross after being whipped, his back bruised and bloody and torn apart up against the rough wood of the cross, raising himself up, dragging his his back up along that wood to say these words. The incredible love of Jesus is seen in this passage. Jesus loves us this much, so much he went through this horrible, agonizing death for us. This passage also tells us that the wrath of God on sin is satisfied in Jesus. It's satisfied. I want you to just consider for a minute, because we have a tendency as human beings to add to this. We, t- we have this tendency to say, well, yes, Jesus died on the cross for my sin, but I also need to do these things in order to be saved. How can we, who are we to say that when you look at what Jesus went through for us. Who are we to add anything to this? This is enough. 
This says that the, that this, the wrath of God is satisfied. Sin has a price, and Jesus paid it. It also tells us that, that Jesus never lost faith or trust in the Father. Because I want you to notice, what, is his, what are his last words? He says, my God, my God. He doesn't just say God. He says, my God. He never lost faith. He is, he is feeling separated from his Father for the first time ever. Ever. And yet he is still calling out to my God. Jesus never lost faith. He never lost trust. He never lost his connection, or his, his, his cry is for the connection he has with his Father. And I think that leads us to understand the, the, the very words that Jesus says. He's just to understand something about God, and that is sometimes he's quiet. Have you ever felt radio silence from God? All of us have, haven't we? We cannot lose faith and trust. Sometimes God goes silent. Sometimes he, we have radio silence when we want him to be shouting to us. But sometimes God goes quiet. He did for Jesus. He certainly will for us. And I think that, that tells us that Jesus knows exactly how it feels when God goes quiet. When, when you and I are suffering this, when you and I feel like we're getting radio silence from God, we can ask Jesus for help because he knows exactly what that feels like. Proof is right here. Our Savior knows what it feels like to have God go quiet when we want him to be shouting. So what does it say about us? It says that you and I, we are loved beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. This brutal, agonizing death for you and I. Jesus did not need to die for his sin. Jesus did not need to die for anything other than your sin and my sin. Our sin put him on that cross. Our sin made this event happen. You and I are the target, focus, and purpose of the cross of Christ. It does not need to happen apart from us. It's you and I that it was done for. We saw in, uh, in Romans, it says that Jesus died for us. We, and I said last week, and I'll say again this week, we like to say Jesus died for sin. No, he didn't. He died for you. He died for me to pay the price of our sin. But he didn't die for sin. He died for us. You and I deserved what Jesus got. And he took it. He didn't have a debt. He paid our debt. So you and I are the target, focus, and purpose of the cross of Christ. And it tells us that whatever we have suffered in life, if we read the Gospels, you will see that Jesus suffered it as well. Have you ever been betrayed by friends? Jesus has. Have you ever felt like God has abandoned you? Jesus has. Have you ever been, been 
had a, had a group of friends that, were, that you asked to pray with you and they didn't. Jesus has. So everything we go through in life, Jesus has felt. So we, we can go to Christ. We can go to Jesus and say, this hurts. And hear his voice telling us, I know how you feel, child. Because he has felt what we feel. So what do we need to do? We need to trust Jesus went through for us. We don't add to it. We don't say it's Jesus plus we got to do this stuff. It's Jesus on the cross, Jesus and an empty tomb, nothing else. We don't add anything to it. Who are we to add to this horrific, agonizing death for you and I? We can't add to that. When we add to that, we actually take away from what Jesus went through for us. We actually are diminishing the cross when we add things to the cross of Christ for salvation. We need to trust what he went through. And we need to keep trusting God even when we're getting radio silence. Even when we can't hear his voice anymore, we need to trust and, and, and keep our faith. We need to be crying out, my God, my God. Now, something I didn't say about what it says about us. So many, so many times I, in counseling with people and talking to people, they say, well, we can't really ask God why. You can ask God why. Jesus did right here. My God, my God, why? He asks it. We can ask it. There's nothing blasphemous about asking God why. There's nothing uh, sacrilegious about asking God why. Ask. Now, you may still get radio silence. You may not get the answer you're looking for, but we can ask, and we can receive the comfort of Christ who has asked in radio silence. He has asked when God wasn't answering. We need to be okay with asking God why. So now let's uh, look at this phrase by phrase. About three in the afternoon, or it, more literally, this is the ninth hour of the day, which roughly equates to three in the afternoon. And isn't it interesting because uh, the context here told us that, that it was dark from noon to three. That's the brightest part of the day. That's when the sun at its highest. And that's when it goes dark. Why does it go dark? The darkness of, of evil was placed upon the light of the world. And for that amount of time, it was dark. Jesus cried out with a loud voice. He wanted this to be heard. He wanted us to hear this. Now, again, I want you to consider Crucifixion is a slow suffocation. That, that position makes it difficult to breathe. You can't really expand your lungs, and so you, you slowly die of suffocation. And so in order to say these words with a loud voice, Jesus has to drag his ripped and torn back up 
the cross to shout this. So he wants us to hear this. He wants everyone there to hear this. He wants us to know that he knows what it feels like when it feels like God abandoned you. He wanted us to, to, he wanted to be heard. He wanted us to know this. My God, my God. Now, these last words are actually kind of a combination of Hebrew and Aramaic. These first two words, my Eli, Eli, they're actually Hebrew words just transliterated into Greek and then translated into English. So transliterated means they basically just took a Hebrew word and spelled it in Greek letters. So these two, Eli, Eli, my God, my God. And, and as I already said, I think the importance of these two words are that Jesus never lost hope. He never lost faith. He never lost trust. He's still calling the Father, my God. We can do this. We can keep our faith like this. Even when we can't hear the voice of God, even when we, we want God, we desire with all that we are that God would shout to us and he's silent, we can keep my God, my God. Why have you abandoned me? This part of the sentence is actually in Aramaic. Now, Aramaic is kind of a Syrian dialect that started to take over Hebrew um, over time. And, and so this, this is really the, the, the one that theologians discuss the most. This is, you'll see if you're a, a commentary reader or a book reader, or even read articles, you'll see a lot of different theories on why Jesus says, why have you abandoned me? And some of them say that it is the, the first line of Psalm 22, and it is. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me or abandoned me? Is the first line of Psalm 22. And so was Jesus trying to, to lead his disciples to understand that Psalm 22 was about him? And if you read Psalm 22, it describes the crucifixion very well. It describes this entire event. But I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. I think what Jesus is saying here is that God, he feels abandoned by God for the first time ever. Remember, you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who have forever lived together, who are forever connected but sin separates us from God. It separates humans to humans. If we sin against one another, it separates that fellowship. It, it breaks fellowship. It may not break the relationship, but it breaks fellowship. That's what I think happens here. The fellowship that Jesus has always known with the Father is broken by our sin. We caused this. This is our fault. Jesus has our sin on him. Now, I don't like to say, there are some that say, well, God can't look at sin, and so he couldn't look at Jesus. That, that diminishes God's power. God can do anything he wants. But sin separates fellowship with God. It still does today. If you're getting radio silence, maybe you need to look and see if sin is separating you. 
from God, if it's, it's breaking the relationship with God. So I honestly think that this is, this is, we should take this as it says. We should take this in reality, that, that the sin of the world, the, our sin on Jesus broke fellowship with God. And so Jesus, for the first time ever, feels that, that, that break in fellowship. I think that's why he says this. And, and I think that's important because we know what this feels like. We know what it's like to have radio silence from God. When we want him to be shouting at us, we know what it's like to not hear him. So does Jesus. And so we can go to him. We can go to Jesus with, with our cry because he knows how we feel. So what are the comfort and challenge of this verse? The comfort of this passage uh, is that Jesus knows how we feel. The comfort of this passage is that you and I are the target, focus, and purpose of the cross of Christ. It did not need to happen except for us, for our benefit. It did not need to happen except for our sin. The comfort of, of this is that Jesus knows exactly how it feels when he can't hear from God. Because we know what that feels like. So does he. Our Savior knows what we're going through. He has felt what we feel. The challenge of this verse is to do what Jesus did here. Keep your faith and trust. When it, when, when it seems like God is distant and quiet, keep him as my God, my God. Jesus did it. We can too. Follow his example and keep God close even when we can't hear him. My God, my God. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment. Is God your God? Do you understand? Have you fully accepted that Jesus did all of this to pay your price? That he took the cross you earned? Have you accepted that? You can, and it's as simple as a prayer. A whole new life begins with a simple prayer that, that acknowledges that we have sin. God, I know that I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I'm going to trust that Jesus died on the cross to pay my price. He died in my place on that cross so that I can have fellowship with God him and with others. The fellowship that we celebrate in the Lord's Supper. So I ask you to forgive me for my sin because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And I ask you to empower my life from here. Empower me to live in fellowship with you. Be my God. 
made that better for the first time, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. You need to let somebody know that you took this step of faith today. Maybe this morning you know Christ. But as you look over the last week or two or month, you realize it's been all about you and not about him. He went through this for you and I. And then we just forget him until it comes Sunday morning. Will you take a moment right now to reconnect with your God? Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that that this is recorded that we might know. We thank you you that that our Savior knows exactly how we feel when we are betrayed, when we are abandoned. Help us to live a life worthy of what Jesus has done for us. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.